to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. It's not college basketball. It's Clarence. Let's get ready to rock. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. I never get tired of that intro. Adamantium Adam, what time is it? It's time to uh, record once again. Just another Friday night. It's podcasting time. Yes, 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 we are back again. Uh, as I said here, I am CM Chuck, and alongside me, as always, the unbreakable Adamantium Adam. Good evening, everyone. Good to be back again. Yes, yes, the Friday Night Faithful in full effect. Nice. Glad to have you guys with us, nice. uh, a.k.a. the Friday Nighters. Um, guys, we want to give uh, everyone so much thanks uh, this week for all the support and yeah. love that we got yeah. on all the social media stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, as always, we like to do a little bit of shout-outs mm-hmm. to so every single one that contributes is, is extremely special. But we have some names here that sometimes – Maybe made us geek out and might make you geek out a little bit too. So Adam and Adam, adrenalize me with the news and the likes from this week's social media. Okay, so probably the top two that we probably geeked out the most was uh, Mark Hamill, Ooh, Luke Skywalker, the Joker. Joker. Man, cock knocker. That's right. Yeah, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill liked one of our tweets. Very cool, man. I mean, who doesn't love Luke Skywalker, man? Amazing, amazing. Uh, Another one of our guys, Kevin Smith. Oh, man. man. Director of Clerks. uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Mallrats, Dogma. You know, I mean, Chasing Amy. Not only do I love Kevin Smith as for all his movie stuff Mm -hmm. as a funny guy, I I love his uh, as a podcaster. I mean, he is who inspired me to kind of be here. I listen frequently to Fat Man Beyond. (laughs) Uh, I know he has a ton of podcasts. It's almost impossible to keep up with his uh, podcasting uh, duties. So it's hard to listen to them all, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, huge fan of Kevin Smith. Uh, I often tell him on Twitter, on my personal Twitter, that he is my spirit animal. So oh, nice. Kevin Smith, thank you for <laughs> liking our tweet. <laughs> Who uh, else we got? We got former knockout and, and women, WWE women's champion, Mickey James. Ooh, Mickey James, mm-hmm. man, super hot crushed on her for, <laughs> uh, one time at another at over various times because I know she left and came back. Yeah. And so maybe my favorite women's matches between her and Trish at WrestleMania yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. So. The Mick kick. That yeah. was always uh, yeah. uh, the her move there. And she <laughs> always had the, the different kind of uh, personality, yeah. it seemed like. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Love uh, Mickey James. A personal favorite of ours, Ring of Honor star, the mercenary Flip Gordon. Flip. And, flip, flip, and flip, Army flip. Veteran. Yes, and Army, Army Veteran. veteran. Yeah. So thank Very you, cool. Flip. Thank you, Flip Gordon. Uh, we got Natty Neidhart, one of the alum of the Hart Foundation. That's right. She Daughter of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Yes, and also in her own right, one of the greatest female wrestlers yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, can put a sharpshooter on her sister like nobody's business. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, another favorite of ours, Phil Lamar, voice of Samurai Jack and Green Lantern. That's and much, right. much more. Yeah, Phil Lamar, very famous too from the very, you know, my favorite movie, Pulp Fiction, is yeah. Marvin. Marvin. shot in That's the face. Right. Yeah. But uh, no, I know and love him much more as as the voice of Samurai Jack. So awesome. Thank you, Phil. Uh, former TNA and WWE Women's Champion, Victoria, Lisa Marie Varon. Oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Lisa Marie, appreciate it. Um, 
Uh, the longest reigning knockout champion for Impact, Taya Valkyrie. Mm. Thank you, Taya. Super, super hot, Taya. Also, uh, we <laughs> the have the wife talk- of John Morrison. The wife of John Morrison. Yes, it's one of those uh, women where you see, you're like, I wonder what her dude looks like, and then you see her dude, and you say. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to, to meet her, too. We talked about that yes. previously. So, yeah, yeah, yeah very we sure did. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, another one I was pretty uh, surprised with, uh, very pleasantly surprised, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Kingpin in the Daredevil series, and uh, Private Pile, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, yes. Vincent D'Onofrio, I'm a huge, huge fan of. Yeah. Um, I believe he comes out in one of the uh, crime shows, SVU. Oh, and yes, CIS, yes, yes, like yes, So he's great in that as well. But, of course, I love him yeah. as Kingpin. I thought he was an excellent casting choice. And then, of course, you know, the famous role as uh, Gomer Pyle yeah. in the Full Metal Jacket is uh, one that is – outstanding so. uh have you ever seen the judge check it out it's really good it's uh he's in there with robert downey mm, uh that's okay. a really good movie yeah uh rob benedict this was a pretty big one that that i liked a lot rob benedict he plays god in supernatural which is actually the last villain in the series <laughs> so that's uh that was pretty damn cool and when cm told me about that one i was like whoa god god yeah. liked her too yeah, <laughs> and, and a far cry from where i know rob bending from which is from waiting waiting as uh the guy that can't the guy piss, that can't piss. <laughs> and i said wow he's done well for himself to go and play god <laughs> from not being able to be so that's great that's yeah very cool yeah. um i'll talk a little bit about where these some of these likes came from when we get to the end here and uh, one last one, uh, which was very big for, again, myself and CM, Karen Berger. She was the founding uh, editor of the Vertigo imprint of DC Comics. Such uh, titles that came out during her reign were Sandman, Preacher, Fables, V for Vendetta, uh, Hellblazer. I mean, these are some super heavy-duty comics. Yeah. And she was the editor. She was re- the one responsible for bringing writers like Neil Gaiman uh, Garth Ennis, Grant Morrison. So uh, a very big legend in this industry. So thank you very much, Karen Berger. That was a huge like for me, myself, and CM. Yes. If I could buy this lady a charcuterie board and yeah. send it to her, I yeah. certainly would because without her, we don't get some of the great, great, yeah. great column books yeah. that came out. Of I mean, we just had an episode of Preacher. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so those are all amazing titles. Pretty much, I think everything you mentioned there is getting transformed into some yeah. type of mm-hmm. show or something yeah. like movie by now. But yeah. Um, yeah, so very awesome. Cool. Um, I also want to thank uh, Mark Bernard and a lot of the things we got mm-hmm. from some of the actors were from a thing he's doing uh, for No Child Left Behind. It's called the Plague Nerdologues. Um, you can uh, donate a small donation. Uh, the minimum is $10. Uh, you do that and you get access to all these uh, monologues. These actors, uh, friends of his are reading and they read these monologues and they're um, doing famous speeches from movies that we all know and love. And uh, everyone does a different take, but the guy you mentioned, uh, Rob Berger does the, um, Rob Benedict, uh, Rob Benedict, excuse me, does the um, great version of Patrick uh, Bateman Bateman from American psycho. So uh, that one really was like, Oh, pretty cool. And there's a bunch more that I watched and um, I've got a show Adam mentioned Adam here when we get an opportunity, maybe after this to go through as well. But um, yeah, great stuff overall, man. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. That was just a fraction of our list this time. Uh, guys, the list is getting so big, it's getting hard to yeah. to read everyone here at the beginning of the show. Yeah. You know, we're seven minutes in now, yeah. <laughs> and we're not even done. So yeah. we're going to try to give you more show uh, and then kind of just sort through the likes and see the ones we yeah. really think that you guys might enjoy as much as we do. But again, as always, our favorite likes come from you guys. Yeah. We do uh, thank you all for that and appreciate yeah. that. Um, <clears throat> and again, we want to invite you all to 
reach out to us, reach out to us on social media, mm-hmm. uh, at J A F N podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook, leave us a message, or you can come directly to the anchor app and leave us a message there. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on something we have already talked about. Uh, you know what I mean? The more, yeah. the merrier, you know what I mean? We're all uh, very in this accessible. together. Yeah. yeah very very accessible. accessible. We're very, uh, active on our social media so we're ready to respond to you and talk about it there but even more so talk about it here on the show you know what i mean so but um yeah again so moving on from that double a uh the thank yous we want to get right into the show and talking about what we're our topic for this week is and um the really only way to kind of say it is that um we're talking about a time like when we talked about grunge, we talked about, you know, it was a, an era in music that kind of changed music. Mm. It kind of turned a corner for music at that time. And now today we want to talk about an era uh, in movies that yes. we think turned the corner yeah. for movies, transitioning from the 1960s into the 1970s yes. and focusing specifically on movies from the 1970s, filmmakers mm-hmm. from the 1970s and, and what we consider to be, an amazing time in movies, but also a, a time that changed movies. Yes. So um, we both become fans. Uh, well, I was a fan uh, when I first saw it. It took you two viewings, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yes. from Tarantino. Yeah. Um, easily understandable, though. Mm-hmm. I definitely understand how you you know needed a second viewing. Um, but it kind of talks about, or well, it doesn't really talk about, but it you know it hints at. You know, that was a time where movies were changing from the 60s to the 70s. Mm-hmm. And, and the world was changing, too. Yes. Am I right? Double Very a. Change. We're yeah. going from, you know, peace and love mm-hmm. and, and free love in the 60s to kind of a grimier, darker time in the 70s. Yeah. Um, kind of in real life what, mm-hmm. you know, hinged on, uh, you know, maybe the Vietnam War as well as, you know, the tragic death in Hollywood of yes. Sharon Tate yeah. uh, by the Manson family. Yes. So those type of things... Uh, are obviously influencing the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. They're influencing the film goers. Yeah. And they're influencing pretty much the world. So, you know, life imitates art. Mm-hmm. Movies are art. And, you know, out of that, we get movies from the 70s, double A. So l- lead us in. Tell me what what are your first kind of thoughts about this, uh, the 70s movies to you? Uh, okay. So like CM was saying, um, you start kind of um, getting – more gritty. Um, you get more cussing. Um, you start seeing cities that are just grimy looking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's not very picturesque anymore. Right. Um, you start having these kind of like anti-authority kind of figures popping up more so than ever before. Mm-hmm. And um, in these movies that we're going to talk about, I feel like really, like really. Pro- profoundly influenced the movies that would come in the 80s and the 90s definitely uh, a definitely. lot and this is a time too when young actors were coming up and um directors these these four men that i mentioned to see them before that really really changed hollywood for the better mm-hmm. um a kind of super class that came out of yes uh university of southern california yeah um i mean if you're a film goer if you're a film buff even if that you might not know this about them, but they were all in school together. But if you don't know that, you definitely know them and know their movies for sure. So yeah. give give us the names. Okay, so uh, you know probably the the biggest one at the time was Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had uh, Steven Spielberg. That's right. Then you had George Lucas. Um, then you had Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. I mean, these guys are fathers, godfathers of like each of their respective uh, movie genres. You know. Um, Again, he started off with Francis Ford Coppola. He starts off the decade with Godfather 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. 
very different gangster movies. It it's not Tommy Gunn's fedora hat anymore. <laughs> right. You know that. Um, you know that fucking gangster talk that you had. You know, <laughs> look at here. Yeah, see, yeah, look at here. You know? I always think of the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Like yeah. that was like yes. if you thought of a gangster, you kind of thought of that guy. You with thought the, uh, that with the yeah the, the shoes and the oh, pinstripe yeah. suit and the the. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Just that kind of gangster, exactly. Yes. You know I, mean? I mean, he changed films from those two on. I mean, after after every gangster movie started looking like The Godfather. Right. Okay. I, I agree. Mean, just very eloquently. Uh, slick back hair. They dress so much better. Um, they're more secret organization, you right. know, running the world. As opposed to being out there just shooting everything up. Yeah, code. There's like there's like a big like a code, a big yes. underlying yes. about a code. You know yes. what I mean? You know, and I don't know if that has to do with it focusing on like the Italian mob or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. You know, you just I just think about Pacino's Michael Corleone oh, so much and man. just how he's so cool and so calculating and just and, and even how he shows like his descent uh, from part one. He goes from uh, this World War II hero veteran. Mm-hmm. And by the end of part two, he's just this stone cold killer. And I don't know if you could have done that kind of role in the fifties or sixties. Uh, it's just so it's heartbreaking to see him. Uh, it's heartbreaking to right. see this Michael Corleone character just become this ruthless, ruthless killer. Where at the end of part two, there's he pretty much has no one around him anymore. Yeah, uh, that's exactly. you know supports and loves him anymore. He's become this ruthless. And I don't know if you could have done a better job with that than Francis Ford Coppola. No, I mean, those movies are just uh, beautiful. Obviously, I mean, here we're talking about a genre of the 70s. We're talking about two movies, yeah. like Godfather 1 and 2, both from the early 70s. Yeah. Uh, to this day, considered two of the greatest films ever I mean, made. Godfather mm-hmm. 2 is still a benchmark of sequels. Whenever somebody says, are you going to have like a Godfather 2 sequel <laughs> or, you know, not, you know, yeah. I mean, that's the benchmark sequel. That you want absolutely. The Empire um, Strikes Back is the Godfather too. Exactly, that's <laughs> always what you always say. Can you have a Godfather Part Two? Yeah, I know? like it's my favorite. I like it better. Yeah, you know I mean? so, yeah. Um, you know, not to take anything away from Part One. No, no. Incredible. Both of them are. I mean, both of them are great. There's even like this Coppola cut uh, that merges the two movies into one, where it shows like the Robert De Niro parts on the first part. And then it goes into one and two. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good cut. Too. I've seen that before. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I like two better so much. I love the, yes. old, the De Niro uh, part. Story yes. And, yes. And, uh, Which is something very revolutionary too, that you're having flashbacks in part one, you know, two. you have a, uh, what he does is he tells us the rise of the father in part two, uh, what Robert De Niro playing Marlon Brando's character. Meanwhile, you're kind of seeing the descent of Michael Corleone, um, becoming this ruthless killer and yeah. it's showing the he does a great job of showing the differences too between Vito Corleone oh, sorry Vito Corleone and Michael Corleone right. where Vito is still a passionate man about his family he's still very passionate about that stuff or Michael he loses his family yeah at the end and again I don't know if you can do any better than what Francis Ford Coppola did amazing okay job. I mean just amazing a great job. job and we'll get back to Francis Ford Coppola in a little bit uh the next director I want to speak about is Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. I mean obviously you know he's a giant now the icon the, I mean you know <laughs> just about every pop culture thing is because of him yeah, yeah for sure for uh sure. 
the man I, I told you, Sam, I think is responsible for creating the summer blockbuster. There was yeah. no summer blockbusters before this man came with Jaws. Right. He didn't have that big movie, you know, in the summer. Mm -hmm. You know, Jaws, I mean, it just he killed it. He knew what people wanted. He tapped into what people really wanted. I don't think he set out to do that with Jaws, but it, that's what it was. Yes. It became that. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I mean, the, the phenomenon of people legit not wanting to go to the beach exactly. is so awesome to me. Like, it just shows <laughs> yeah. the movie this guy yeah. made. I mean, we all know the uh, the theme song. You know, we all know. Yeah. I mean, even if you haven't seen the movie, you haven't seen it in a very long time, or it's you've it, never seen it all, it's, yeah. it's a part of... And that's a good point that you mm -hmm. mentioned, too. When's another movie that you mentioned that has, like, a theme song, a recognizable mm -hmm. theme song mm -hmm. prior to Jaws? You know, prior yeah. to Godfather and the Jaws that you know... Like I probably shit, couldn't think of anything. Maybe Psycho, maybe, but is that yeah, really, you know, maybe. Like just the maybe, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta really be reaching, you know what I mean? Yeah. So definitely, I mean, uh, and then just you know, again, that movie in its own right is, uh, it does what it does, you know what yeah. I mean? So, so, so now you have Coppola who had filmed uh, the highest grossing movie at that time, Godfather, mm -hmm. which was a little broken by steven spielberg with jaws right but right. then was later broken by this next man george lucas that just created this <laughs> whole fucking universe that we just love and debate and hate and everything under the sun star wars that and came out in 77 yeah and i'm looking at cm's bag right there you know and, <laughs> uh, it's a star wars bag and what this man did i mean he changed how we looked at our space before that it was always Filmmakers that always portrayed it as being this cold, unknown territory, mm -hmm. you know, that there's all these fucking creatures, weird creatures out there. Yeah. What George Lucas did is he created a whole nother world where there was it was based on two religions, a Jedi Order and a Sith Order, um, a bad, a good, evil, you know, the classic mythology, the you know, pirates in space. Exactly. You know yeah. the swashbuckling. We all yes. know he was a huge fan of yes. those type of movies. And I just feel as though like it's the it's it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, but I no, mean for but what it can did, you imagine you seeing know? that in seventy seven oh and gosh. just being absolutely blown away. That that's a destroyer coming <laughs> from the top of the screen and it just keeps going and going. You want to be like what the fuck yeah. am I watching? Yeah, you know? just the music hitting. You oh know my what god! I mean? And then you see a character like Darth Vader just oh. on black and that breathing noises. Yeah, and you're just like Whoa. set against that white background too. I always oh, love when they put yeah. him in such a stark contrast yes. because the very blackness of yes. him shows the you know how evil like you just yes. you get that that vibe or whatever you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I mean I always say you know like Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie, but mm -hmm. but. It's because I think of Star Wars as almost a whole. I think yes. of it as something so mm -hmm. much more, as yeah. a true saga, yes. which I hang above almost everything else everything. that I love. Again, you know I mean? <laughs> a benchmark, right? Absolutely. Again, a benchmark in trilogies um, that you go against. Can this be, is this your new hope? Is this your Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. You know, is this your return? Clerks too. There's only one return, and it's not of the King. <laughs> it's of the Jedi. I mean, yeah. even that debate was going on when Lord of the Rings came out. Which one's a better trilogy, that one or Star Wars? Just like, golly, what these men did, you know, like I said, Francis had the highest. Spielberg had the highest. And then 
George Lucas broke it with mm-hmm. Star Wars, you mm-hmm. know? And then, you know, we have a, an underground, kind of, I guess, the most underground director of the bunch, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and I hate even saying that. Well, the underground guy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because these guys are producing these big epics, and then you have Martin Scorsese just coming out of nowhere and producing these awesome crime movies. These what does ugly he give us in grit. the seventies? He, he gives us like... Mean Streets. He gives mm. us Taxi Driver. Ah. I mean, oh, wait, Taxi Driver is just what a great movie. I, I mean, it really shows maybe the feeling at the time. Yeah, you know, because Travis is supposed to be a returning veteran. Mm-hmm. You know, the insomnia he can't sleep. Yeah. You know, the prostitution, you're actually going into that territory yeah. and that Jody movie. Foster, Harvey Keitel as yes. sport. Harvey, again, <laughs> you know, Harvey was always that indie director guy. You know, mm-hmm. he, he helped Martin with his first movie, yeah. which he would later help Quinn in with Quinn his is, movie. Yeah. Kind of a cool uh, nod to, exactly. to each other there yeah. in a sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I love it. It's funny because I'm thinking about The Godfather 1 and 2 mm-hmm. and Taxi Driver I first saw with you and your brothers. Okay. Uh, we watched those together. I'd never seen those movies. They've been around for years or whatever. We've always mm-hmm. been movie fans. Mm-hmm. But again, I was always just kind of a fan of these more like, you know, I don't know what you what kind of movie you'd call it. Just like a more, I guess you could say, upbeat type movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you know, here I'm watching these like gritty crimes. Yes. You know, yeah. movies, and I'm just like, holy shit. Like, because yeah. the characters are so rich. They're so well written. They're mm-hmm. so fleshed out. And it's like nowadays you sometimes feel like, man, if you don't flesh that character out quickly enough in the movie, you don't connect with them. Yeah. You don't feel for them or like them or yeah. relate to them. Or even if you don't relate to them, it's like whatever it is you're mm-hmm. maybe meant to feel, you don't get that or whatever. And I think that's why maybe like TV has become such a, a strong medium now because there's now more time. Yes. But these mm-hmm. guys did that in that time. I mean, you know, you know, Quint mm-hmm. in Jaws. You know what I mean? You yep. know, you know, uh, um, Michael Corleone in The Godfather, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's like, and you you know, you know Travis Bickle mm-hmm. in in Tax Driver, and you're like, shit, you know what I mean? Like, if you've seen, if you if you're a fan of of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and you've not seen Taxi Driver, oh go watch Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver because you'll be like, oh shit, like yeah. this is the beginning, man. This is, yes. you know what I mean? Like Martin's got this really kind of eerie uh, score does. throughout, yeah, and you've got um. Tell me her name, uh, double A, uh, Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd, yes. looking very beautiful at yes. that time. And then you've got young, young, young Jodie Foster yes. as 15. a hooker, yeah, 15. as a as a yeah. hooker playing a hooker, and and you know uh, Harvey Keitel as sport the pimp, you the know pimp. pimping her out, and you're just like, what's going on? But then you're like, man, is this what New York was like in the in this freaking yeah. time? And, you know and what, I mean? what he creates is just like really like scumbag characters. Right. I mean, that's what Martin Scorsese kind of brought um, compared to the other guys. He brought these like really like like I said, just crime movies. Just mm-hmm. you know, sports not a big pimp. He's not a big criminal. He's a low level pimp that yeah. hangs out at this shitty looking hotel where he gets his customers. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like it, it just looks ugly in it, a white beater and and, yeah. and nice pants and a freaking hat. And you're just like, what kind of yeah. pimp is this? You like the mean? setting, you're just like, man, this is not a place I want to be at. It's a really ugly place. Yeah. It probably smells like shit. You know, it's just <laughs> that's the way he makes you feel with his films and uh going back to years so the second part i wanted to bring up was the actors themselves Mm. i mean at this time you got gene hackman you got al pacino you got robert de niro you got dustin hoffman you got richard dreyfus you got clint eastwood that's really breaking out more that's right more and more i mean you got all these jack nicholson i mean you got these guys that are just really going deep into the characters to help these young directors really get into that character even harrison ford yeah. um 
you know, I've seen it so many times where he didn't like George Lucas's lines at all. He would change them. <laughs> and Very because famously. he was like, yeah, because he was like, that's not what Han Solo was saying, you know? Yeah. And yeah. you need that, you need that kind of improvise, uh, impro- you know, to, to be the character. You Absolutely. Know? And that's something, again, you really didn't see. I mean, you had, when you cast John Wayne, you cast him as a hero, right? Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, with these guys, you can cast them in almost anything. Mm hmm. You can cast him as a protagonist, an antagonist. You can cast him as an anti-authority figure. I mean, that's how good these guys were. Oh yeah. I mean, I really feel like from what I looked, what I looked at, you know, doing our research for this episode, I looked up, you know, movies from the '60s, mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe in that time it was kind of like good guys were good guys mm-hmm. and bad guys were bad yes. guys, and you kind you of had them, right? Yes. You knew where you were going to go yes. in the movie more or less. Like, well, yes. I want to, I'm rooting for this guy, and I want to see him win. But when you move into the '70s, it's almost like. Well, man, like nobody in this movie mm. is a is a good person. They're no mainly yeah. shitty people. Like, for instance, you know, kind of to go back to the Godfather, it's like, like I dislike, uh, you know, Diane Keaton's character. I, I hate Kate. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm just like, she's the fucking worst. You know what I mean? I'm like, and some people might be like sympathize with her yes. or, or empathize mm-hmm. with her, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't. I'm just like, you know what? This shit's all your fucking fault or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, just that's how I felt about it. But but I mean, there's just those kind of things. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you look at um. A movie like Taxi Driver, there isn't a hero in the movie. There is not. You know what I mean, it's, no. it's like it's you're just kind of like you feel for this guy, but at yes. the same time, you know, you're like you don't want to be like him. No. You know what I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, at least when you're doing dealing with George Lucas's Star Wars, I mean, you know, you want to be Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to be Luke. <laughs> no. But at that point, but you know, you're, you're yeah. like well, Han Solo is a cool fucking guy. Yes. You know what I mean? You're yeah. you're you're down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. Again, but at the same time, the difference about that with what Lucas was doing is exactly what you said mm-hmm. is a whole nother kind of space movie. Like yes. you said, a space pirate story, yes. a space swashbuckling story, right yes. down to swinging on a line mm-hmm. across the thing. And, um, you know, I know I've talked to my dad about, you know, who, who lived in this time, uh, was, was an adult, a young adult at this time, and was just like, man, like Star Wars was the shit. Like it just, yeah. like we'd never seen anything like that and that it was, yeah. you know, that badass. So, but um, what are some of the other things that we get in the 70s, double A, that, that uh, maybe we hadn't seen before? We get Rocky. Yeah. So uh, a whole, I mean, people shit on Stallone a lot. This guy brought us Rocky. He brought so much more into the sports world. He actually, when I first, it, this, I'm gonna tell you a story. So I was watching Rocky one time, and my wife was like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "I'm watching Rocky." She's like, "Man, that fucking boxing movie." I go, "No, it's actually a love story." And I was kind of lying to her. Well, I thought I was lying to her, <clears throat> you know. And she really got into it because it was actually more of a love story than a sports movie. Uh, but the way he, the way he films things, was so much different than what he had seen before. You saw the man training. You saw the man huffing, puffing. You saw a man, you know, hurting when he's training. Right. Uh, the boxing. You had never seen anything like that before. Zoomed out, choreographed so much. You know, I mean, it's it really pumps you up. Uh, the music score pumps mm-hmm. you up. You want to see him win. And I love that he doesn't win in the first yeah. one. He's just happy to have made it. And you're happy with the character. And, man, he is so, he is so good. When he really wants to make a really good dramatic movie, stuff Sylvester Sloan makes you feel for the character. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about Definitely. Rocky. He makes you feel like you can be his friend. He's an everyday man. It's great. Rocky is a 
badass movie. Dude, if it, you've never seen it, please watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched through them recently with my sister. We were watching our way from one mm-hmm. to now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she just fell in love because she's like, she'd never seen some of the older ones. She'd yeah. seen pieces yeah. of some of the other ones. And we were trying to get up to Creed. We've still got to get to Creed too, and then we'll be done. But, um, you know... I just tell her, I said, man, I love these movies so much. Uh, you know, one of my best friends, you know, uh, John Holt loves them. Yeah. And um, yeah. we can watch them over and over again. The training montage. I don't know that every training montage is got to be held to the standard of Rocky, I think. Again, because, a benchmark. Yeah. yeah. that That's what you're getting out of that. I think Stallone does a masterful job directing and he does a masterful job acting as well. And he's, he's writing too. And he's, he's writing, a writer. He's a triple header here. Definitely yes. got to be underrated in the category of director. I think so. I really do think so. Uh you look at Rocky Two, the one he did direct, and you just again you get that look of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. that grit. You see that blue collar type city, you know, and he films it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, know? my favorite kind of stories are about hope. You know what I mean? And underdogs. I definitely think that yes. underdogs, and I think that Rocky is, I mean, one hundred and ten percent. Again, he is, loses, you know, but you don't feel what you lost. No, not at know? all. Not at all. I mean, he makes jokes about himself. He doesn't take himself too seriously yeah. for the most part. You know what I mean? And and you know, the movies all go to different places, but you know, still a beautiful story overall. I would I would rank it as what we call one of those sagas, right up through Creed. And maybe one day later on, we'll do an episode about yeah. sagas. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but um, you know, for that time and everything, I don't know that anything else had been done like that it sports didn't. wise. It had it, and and it was just. I mean, obviously it got its due credit yes. from the Oscars. Yeah. So, I mean, but um, fantastic, fantastic movie. I mean, and just, again, that's the kind of actor you needed. Like, right. um, how we go back, you got Al Pacino that does Godfather 1 and 2, right? Okay, so he goes from Godfather in the first one. Then he does Serpico, mm. which he plays a cop, straight-laced cop. Right. Then you go back to part two of Godfather where he plays a just – he's evil. He's uh-huh. evil at this point. Yeah. Then you go to 74 and he's doing Dog Day Afternoon where he's playing <laughs> this – gay stupid banker mm-hmm. you know and he doesn't know what he's doing and it's so <laughs> unlike what you just seen in serpico and godfather but that's what was so great about actors like that he played a, a mafia uh boss to a straight-laced cop to this stupid banker uh you know robber that he's trying to get a sex chain for his lover and it just goes wrong just the whole movie just keeps getting worse and worse as it goes (laughs) along you know and then you have like de niro going for like mean streets playing this this fucking really stupid thug kind of character to taxi driver where he's just you know a guy coming unhinged you know what i mean but yeah, definitely a golden age for both of them. Uh, we definitely want to get more yeah. into the 70s when we come right back from this quick break, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for hanging out for that uh, quick uh, commercial break. <laughs> Always sounds funny to say, but uh, yeah. But definitely the actors of that time, Pacino, yeah. De Niro, uh, you know, a golden age for them mm-hmm. probably. Um, you know, this is pre-Scarface Pacino. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is pre, you know, uh, 
De Niro doing comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? A pre-Goodfellas De Niro, yeah. you could say mm-hmm. maybe a pre-Casino. Um, and, you know, you've got Jack Nicholson. I mean, really, I think, kind of about to come out into his own with, uh, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, oh, one of my all-time favorites. Movie. I mean, outstanding. Um, Another guy that can do so much different roles. Yeah. He's won Oscars for, you know, um, playing a detective to playing uh, in romance Mm-hmm. leads in romance movies so yeah uh, another guy that can do it all and he has done it all he's been the devil he's been the yeah. joker he's been yeah. you know what i mean um like you say he's you been know, leads in romantic like, movies exactly you know? so yeah and uh yeah if you've never seen one floor of the cuckoo's nest it is See absolutely it. outstanding stellar yeah it's uh simpsons even did a parody of that <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean it's just i feel like it's just good to watch anytime you know what i mean um you know, like you said, you mentioned also Clint Eastwood. Yes, he ha- he did some his early directing at this time. Yes. He had stated. Uh, yeah, so he started off uh, playing the Dirty Harry character. Like I said, that kind of like anti-authority kind of figure. Even right. though he was a cop, he was still playing by his rules. You know, right. right. So you had that, and then he really started doing his own kind of western vision mm-hmm. with the outlaw Josie Wells, uh-huh. um, High Plains Drifter, which is kind of like a supernatural western. Yeah. You know, so that was kind of like a weird one too. Yeah. A supernatural western. I love done those before as much know? as the spaghetti westerns, yeah. though. They're just as good. Yeah. And I mean? then he does a movie that I told you about, uh, Play Misty for Me. It's kind of like a fatal attraction uh, okay. where Clint is a radio DJ, but he's really out of Clint Eastwood character. Uh, he's not a tough guy at all. He is frightening of this woman. I mean, it's a great movie. If you've never seen Play Misty for me, check it out. It's a really great movie. You'll be surprised by his portrayal in that one. I'm going to go look for that one yeah, for sure. That check that one out. Interesting. Um, I want to get into some more of the genres, Double okay. uh, A, what, what comes out at this time. Um, I'm going to kind of start us off, though, okay. with what maybe you would say. And I would say maybe it kind of births a genre, but Ooh. in a very slow birth, Ooh, okay. which we have – Richard Donner's 1979, You'll Believe a Man Can Fly. Fly. Superman. I mean... uh, Golly, what a great movie. Nothing beats to me the line when he comes out and you've got the pimp looking there. Say, Jim, that's a bad (laughs) outfit. I'm like, man, you ain't lying. Like... Um, oh my gosh! Almost the perfect comic book movie. I yeah. mean, CM. I mean, and then the actors too that are in there. I mean, okay, you got Christopher Reeve, but then you surround him with Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando. Oh, oh my goodness! And then uh, Glenn Ford as well, a veteran actor from the forties, fifties, sixties. I mean, oh my god, he was. Uh, if you guys ever seen Three Ten and Yuma, he was the Russell Crowe character, nice. uh, Glenn Ford. So nice. And uh, you, yeah. So I mean, and that's Perry White movie. in the. Uh, no, uh, the Jonathan Kent. Oh, that's Jonathan Kent. That's the right. Father. That's right. The father. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, like you said, Gene Hackman. And you said at this time he'd already won an Oscar. He won for French Connection, French Connection. Uh, a very brutal, gritty cop movie mm-hmm. in 71, again in the 70s. In the 70s. So, again, here's another guy that plays that really hard ass cut to where he plays this, you know, smart ass, you know, <laughs> I'm smarter than you, fucking villain. Yeah. You know, but he plays it so great, though. There's times when you, you see how evil he can be as Luther, you know, oh, I mean, for sure. the missile parts where he's yeah. going to blow up, you know, he's going to kill millions just yeah. like that. You, know? um, you said something very interesting to me before the show, Double A, when you said that you felt as though the Marvel Universe movies uh, borrowed quite a bit. From, I feel like they yeah. did, yes, from them and Sam Raimi. I feel like you got a really great blend of action, of humor of like very serious moments. Um, you get yeah. a lot of that from the Christopher Reeve Superman. For sure. You even and, mentioned like the bright colors. Like they didn't, yes. they didn't 
hesitate with the suit. They're like, we're going to go for this. You've got buff-ass Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Looks fantastic. He, to me, is the face of Superman. Always. He's like the John Byrne Superman, drawn Superman. Like, I'm like, like I have action figures that could be it's it's a comic book based action figure, but I'm like mm-hmm. this looks like Christopher yeah. Reeve, like yes. the jaw, the hair, the freaking eyes. Yeah. I mean, and it helped that he was like six four. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. So he looks very towering. Quite the story. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I mean, just you know, that births superhero movies in the way that we know them now. Yes, it is. And it's so great because I think this is where they can't never get it right. He plays it so great. He plays it as an everyday man. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part in that movie, Sam, is when Lois Lane dies mm-hmm. and he lets out all this emotion. Yeah. And then he lets out that fucking roar that you're just like man i hope there was no one in the 10 mile radius (laughs) because their fucking head must have blown off yeah i was like oh my goodness i mean you know that's what i'm saying you get some seriousness you get get everything acting range in there i mean and how many times now is it it's the tribute is constantly paid you've got even Tobey Maguire is Spider-Man pulling open the shirt yes. to reveal the spider <laughs> Yeah, you've got of course, because yeah. that is the homage the of image. homages. It yes. is the beginning. It is the yeah. greatest oh, comic book character, we, and in the and, it is and yeah. and, and, and the the Godfather of mm-hmm. the comic book movies. So. It has to be. Uh, and so, like again, sure. uh, the genre created. Yeah, comic book. You actually it showed you can't make a damn comic book movie yeah. work. I mean, I would say this: you didn't get another one that worked until 1989. Exactly with. Ten years later, with you know, yeah, Batman, uh, Batman Tim yeah. Burton's Batman. So, yeah. so what are what are the genres? Double uh, A. I know we talked about quite a few. We talked about black exploitation. Yes, out. the Prem Greer uh, led that I can think of right off the bat. I mean, these movies are brutal. They're racist. Uh, <laughs> you got all these foul language. Some nice titties coming out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember, you know, that too. I don't know if you really had that in the sixties. Maybe is a lot. No, of like not boobs, like that. You know no, I mean? not <laughs> like this. Not like know? this at all. So, and again, you go back to like. Tarantino being very influenced by this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you have not just that, you have the Kung Fu stuff with Bruce Lee coming in mm-hmm. that really influences people everywhere. I mean, <clears throat> you start seeing Kung Fu movies just coming blazing out yeah. after Interior Dragon. Yeah, Dragon. people wanting to learn martial arts. Exactly. You yeah. know, I mean, he's the godfather of the Kung Fu movies. Yeah. You walk out of those he, movies and you feel, um, you know, you're doing the move exactly. and you're hype. So yeah, of course you're gonna go to and then again you got blue class. <laughs> yeah, and then you got Tarantino doing his homages in Kill Bill. I mean the suit. I mean yeah, absolutely and then the mirror scene. Who can re- ever forget that mirror scene? Totally. It's so suspenseful. It's yeah. so great, really greatly directed. Enter the Dragon, outstanding, outstanding uh Kung Fu flick, probably the icon of Kung Fu yeah. flicks with the master himself, Bruce Lee. Um we talked a little bit about horror, the horror genre. Oh my goodness! So turns that, a corner. Yeah, that takes that turns a huge corner. <laughs> so you got a movie like The Exorcist mm-hmm. that comes out, nothing like you've ever seen before. Maybe it didn't mean to be <clears throat> scary, maybe, but I don't know. It's but the makeup, terrifying. <laughs> the makeup, how she turns drastically, you know, throughout yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. the special effects. You know, so you had something like that. Then you had Letterface that came out from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre right. about this murderous family somewhere in Texas. Yeah. And now, but you got a gimmicks now that's being introduced with Letterface. Mm-hmm. You got, first off, the name, Leatherface. Right. Then you have the mask that's made out of skin. Yeah. And then you got the chainsaw. 
So now you're starting to get looks now with your horror characters. Yes. That had never been there before. And I feel like maybe before the 70s, it was like, I think of horror before that time. Maybe I'm thinking of like maybe your universal monsters. Yeah. People die in a certain way, but people aren't getting hung up on meat hooks. You know what I mean? Like that's what's going on in the Chainsaw Massacre. And so that's what starts. You get more brutality in these horror movies. You get more blood. You Mm -hmm. get, uh, I mean, everything. Uh, later on in that decade, you get probably the ultimate slasher in Halloween, the Michael Myers mm, character. Right. Yep. Uh, a guy with the mask. Yeah. I mean, that just about influenced everyone else afterwards. I mean, Jason I was gonna is say, a direct. Probably iconic horror music comes from Halloween, and yeah, then you get exactly. Friday the 13th. So there you go again, CM. Yeah, I mean, you got this whole new horror right. genre that just got bumped up a lot from like you're saying the universal monsters were the tent were the benchmark mm-hmm. at this point you know your dracula your werewolf your invisible man frankenstein, frankenstein. mummy yeah. now you got linda blair and the exorcist now you got letterface mm-hmm. now you got michael myers that will go on to um influence freddy krueger um jason you know, I mean, just I feel like that whole genre that you get after that when you get into Hellraiser, Phantasm, Hellraiser, yeah, those type Phantasm. of that type of horror movie comes out of this time. Yeah, because yeah. now with each of your killer, now you start putting some sort of trademark that's theirs. Right. Obviously, right. Freddy with the sweater, the hat, the, uh, the, the glove. The glove yeah. You know, Jason, you got the hockey mask. You know the the machete and the music and the music. You know, you know everyone's got their theme, their own yeah, theme. You know, <laughs> you know, like you said, Hellraiser. You know the the blades, the the chains. Right. It's because of directly from you're getting from Leatherface and Michael Myers. Yeah, it's like a know? door gets kicked open and it kind of opens it up for all these maybe other type of horror movies that wanted to do more yes. kind of uh, that type of thing, yes. but where we wasn't really sure. But now, but now people, know. this is showing that people want this kind of horror. Now this Absolutely. kind of scare, you know, this horrifying feel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum though, you get this new kind of comedy with okay. animal house, right? This oh, right, whole right, right. brand new <laughs> school, college high school you know this is set in college but kevin bacon belushi yeah. the, the uh, tim matheson yeah. i mean it's it's a godfather of all those school movies american pie porgies right. revenge of the nerds yeah it's a like gets a, a license yeah. to play all of a sudden the frat houses aren't serious they're party animals they drink they yeah. cuss you know <laughs> fuck whatever girls there uh-huh. i mean you got you start the pranks, right? You know who right. can one up the other one. You know you start getting that. I really think that comes from Animal House. Yeah, and I think that out of that you're going to get also too kind of like you're like um, um, the Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Exactly. And those yeah. type of movies. Yeah. You need this movie yeah. to have those movies. They set the benchmark movie. characters. Of right. Maybe okay. I want this. I want the Belushi character in it's, my movie. Yeah, you need a guy you know? like that, like that yeah. kind of over the top yeah. guy. I need that Niedermeyer stiff as prick yep. in my movie yeah. you know and yeah. that's what you always get it's got to be the guy trying to get the girl exactly the kind of straight laced guy you know what i mean but uh, and that comes from animal house too for sure man for sure um then more of the war movies this is where you start seeing a change in the war movies now before you're always celebrated it's always world war ii it's always about you know the u.s right. versus the enemy now we start getting kind of a change because of the Vietnam War. Right. We it's could not, not have, going. You know, it's not no. going the way America would. It's not going America's way. Mm-hmm. 
he started getting protests, marches to stop the war, and it starts influencing the movies. Uh, the two I can think of right off the bat is Deer Hunter, with starring Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, where he wins his war. Yeah. And you got Apocalypse Now, which is just a total mindfuck. Yeah. Um, sorry, Martin Brando, Martin Sheen, you know, Dennis Hopper comes out in that mm-hmm. one. Um, um, oh, I forget his name. Also, my favorite from The Godfather is uh, uh, the Consigliere in... Um, oh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Yes, Robert really, Duvall. Yes. Like, yeah. yes. Yes, also in, uh, in, Apocalypse in Apocalypse Now. now. He now. says the famous line, exactly. you know, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> you know, I mean, exactly. that, that line has been said so many different ways, mm-hmm. different expressions. I mean, but... Where Apocalypse Now kind of delves into probably the horrors, Deer Hunter kind of delves deep in the mind of right. the mindset. What's great, if you have time, go and look at it. It is a long movie. It's it's an epic long movie. But yeah. they show these guys. It's a group of guys that are factory workers, hard-nosed factory workers, just like to have a good time, like us, drink at a bar. You rolling know. Rock. They're drinking Rolling Rock in there. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, they're, you know, hunting Americans. You know, the yeah. war comes, they volunteer. It goes wrong, yeah. just drastically wrong. Um, Christopher time. Walken, you know, is your prototype soldier that came back just broken a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert De Niro, there's a great scene in it. If you never seen it, see it. There's a He's going hunting after he comes back from the Vietnam War. And he has deer set in his sights, and he just can't do it. Yeah, he just can't pull the trigger, and it's he been, screams. Yeah, you know, because he just can't do it. He's just he's seen enough killing. It's an outstanding movie. I've actually seen both of these that we're talking about this time. It was my dad, obviously being a veteran, mm-hmm. you know, show me war movies quite a bit. So I got to see both of these, and yeah, both very uh, yes. moving and, and riveting in different ways. Very different um, ways. You also get. Um, Remind me of the name double A of uh, Fredo from The Godfather. Yes, John Cazell. John yes. Cazell comes yes. in, is also in the Deer Hunter. I think he's yeah. the third kind of friend. He is. Uh, he's the so one that kind of stays behind. But when he when they come back, he sees a he's the one that notices a big difference in you know Robert De Niro. Yeah. The other two, I mean Christopher Walken, really doesn't come back, and right. the other friend's broken too. So yeah. just kind of the effects of war and, and this just, particular yeah. war. Yeah, it, it was just something you just didn't see before. You didn't see that kind of side of soldiers. Right, right. Um, they kind ugly. of deal with PTSD yeah. without saying that. Without, drugs. Drugs yeah. start playing a big part of them coming right. back, being a, severely addicted to heroin. I think that culture also kind of, again, like we said in the beginning of the show, you know, uh, life imitates art. And it's yes. like, you know, well, yeah. this is what was, uh, or, or, or art imitates life. However, you just sit these things were happening in the world yeah. now, obviously influencing the filmmakers, and then these things are happening. Drug culture also is on the rise, you know what I mean, uh-huh. in, in the U.S. and in the world at that time. So it's like, you know, this is, you know, going to obviously hold over these guys, and they're trying to cope, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, CM, I mean, going back again, again, from this decade alone, you get a new kind of gangster genre. Mm-hmm. You get a new crime genre. Genre. You get the summer blockbuster that comes right. along. You get this new science fiction genre. Mm-hmm. You get this new war kind of feel drama. You know, you get this new comedy genre. You know, you get this new horror genre. <laughs> all from this decade, this yeah. great piece of decade mm-hmm. with actors that were 
so great delving into your character so much to wanting to make these films really great. And I think that's why they're always the benchmarks. Absolutely. Of all these, the Kung Fu. I mean, yeah. you always go back to Bruce Lee. Oh, yeah. You always you're go good, back to, but you're not Bruce yeah. Lee good. <laughs> you always go back to Animal House. You always go back to Halloween or The Exorcist. If you do a possession movie, you always go back to oh, Exorcist. Yeah. yeah. Summer Blockbuster. You always try to achieve what Steven Spielberg did. If you want a universe, you always try to Star Wars is your benchmark for that universe. Mm -hmm. I mean, you crime movie scores easy. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Even up to this day, the departed that he did, Gangs of New York. I mean, man, he's still making great fucking crime yeah. movies that set benchmarks. That's exactly what I was gonna know? say, is that many of these actors mm -hmm. we're talking about, we're still watching today. And yes. many of these, you know, the Irishman just came out. Yeah. You know, we're we're you know, many of these uh, directors we're still watching to this mm -hmm. day. And if not, you're definitely watching their influence. I mean, we just had a Star Wars movie come mm -hmm. out that it began then in 77. And now, you know, here we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, all this time later, we're still hungry for more Star yeah. Wars. We're still watching yeah. more Star Wars. So definitely. Um, and, and I forgot the sports know. genre because, I mean, Rocky, Rocky, I mean, yeah. from Rocky, you get like Karate Kid, Hoosiers. Mm -hmm. uh, you get all those kind of feel good kind of sports movies. Right. Exactly, you know, yeah. that always have that kind of feel like Rocky did. So. Yeah, I mean, just a great decade of movies that still influences today. I don't think you I know. realized how much I loved stuff from then. You know what I mean? Like you said, too, with the superheroes yeah, and Superman. Yeah, superhero. The comic book you know I mean? genre. Shit, I forgot genre. about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't think I realized that when you had said to me when we, before we started this episode, you said, you know, let's talk about the 70s. And I was like, okay. You know what I mean? I started thinking about it. We mm -hmm. talked about it more, and I was, I was getting more and more excited. I was like, wow, I didn't realize what, you know, this was the – you know, inception of all of these things. Yeah. You know, all, the, yeah. The movie world that we watch now. I, mean, I like, really believe so. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's the decade right before the decade you and I were born in, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then it's like, so the things that we're watching and our youth and, and as we're growing up in the eighties is directly influenced from these from the things that still. just, you yeah. know, the, the decade before that happened to whatever, right. which is, you know, uh, Probably like a time in, in movies where our dads were young mm -hmm. men and were watching these things, yeah. or whatever, and, and yeah. our moms. Yeah. You know I mean, were watching movie, movie yeah. watching at that time, at a time when there was nothing else to do but watch mm -hmm. movies. And it's like, I mean, shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what a time, a golden age, truly. Yeah. The nineteen seventies in, in film. So, guys, we've given you a bunch of movies to go watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we'll go. I mean, there's so much more that we didn't get into that we'll we'll be posting on Facebook, Twitter on our Instagram. So uh, just watch out for that stuff this week. Yeah. Yeah. Double A. Um, as always, every Friday night is amazing to come here and talk with you about the amazing things that are going on in yep. the world of pop culture and in the world of just, you know, film culture. Yeah. So um, anything else? Closing thoughts on the 1970s. Just people go back and look at the starts of these genres or the restarts and you'll be amazed to see how much we still get from these movies. Yeah. If some of these, if so, you hadn't seen them, I promise you, you've seen something that you like that you've probably been repeating a line yeah. and you didn't know it came from somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and it, believe me, it did like double A mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, you, if you watched any episode of the Simpsons, <laughs> you've seen these movies yeah. influence those episodes. Yeah. You didn't even know it. Yeah. Great, great, great films from the 1970s. Uh, but for us here at just another Friday night, uh, that's all the show we've got for you right now. We want to say uh, good night for myself and double A. Yeah, good night, Friday nighters, and we'll be back next week. Next week. And as always, guys, don't forget, we tell you, when it comes to your hopes and dreams, seize the day and do whatever it takes.